Well, guys, would you grab hold of a Bible and make your way to the book of 1 John? It's where we are on Sunday mornings. We're working verse by verse through this book and longing that God would meet us in it. If you didn't bring a Bible, there are Bibles around you and chairs in front of you. If you grab one of those, you can have the page number off the screen. You can open up electronically. However you want to get there, get a Bible. Open it up there with us so that you would see and hear what God has for you to hear this morning. For you guys in our overflow joining us online, it is the same invitation. We are so glad to have you with us, but have a Bible with us. Grab it, open it up so that you both hear and see and that God would speak to you this morning through the power of his word, that he would cause you uh, to be able to hear what that is. And we long for that to be there as we just opened it up this morning. And so that's our aim. Uh, let's take a mo- another moment and pray for it. I'm going to lead in prayer, but I hope you would pray as well. That just quietly you would ask that God would make known to you what he's trying to tell you this morning, that you would be able and able to hear what his spirit is speaking. So let's ask him for that right now. Father, thank you. Thank you for this space. Thank you for this time. Every good gift comes from you. Just receive it in honor and thank you. But God, this morning as we study your word, your truth, I thank you. I thank you for your truth. And Jesus, I think about what you said. You said if we know the truth, the truth would set us free. God, I pray that that would be the reality, that you'd be drawing us to the truth, that you'd be drawing us to you And that that would be effective this morning, that there would be freedom, there would be reality happening in the midst of your people. With that as an aim and desire, Lord, would you help us to hear your voice, that by the power of your Spirit, in this moment and this place, you would open up our ears to give us ears what you're speaking, and we would hear it. We would know what we needed to take home from this, and that's going to be different all around the room, because what you're doing in us is so perfect. Lord, help us to hear it. Help us not to turn away from it. Give us ears to hear and then make that just fruit bearing in our lives. Lord, I just ask for that now with expectation and desire, seeking it from you as we surrender this time into your care. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. It is always the darkest just before the day dawns. Hey, that's a pretty powerful quote. It's a quote given by Thomas Fuller back in the 1600s, and in some ways I just want you to think about it for a moment. It is always the darkest just before the dawn. Sometimes that's a hopeful statement, but in some ways it's so prophetic. The dawn is used as a picture of the coming of Christ and his return in the scriptures, and in that vein I want you to hear it this morning, that as we approach that day, as we approach the timing of the coming of Christ, the darkness seems to be getting darker. I don't know if you understand, I don't know if you would agree. As we find ourselves here this morning gathering in this place, I know for me, Living in the world in which we live right now, the darkness feels so pervasive, and it just feels oppressive at times. It it feels just that it's encroaching in on us in so many angles, and kind of surprisingly so. I think about it, Jesus was talking about it. If you're reading through the Bible with us as a church, you read it today in John's gospel when Jesus talked about it, where he said, night is coming. 
Night is coming when no one can work. There is a night, there is this space where it's just approaching, and that sense of that approach, that sense that it's coming, is something that we just want to have just laid there before us, and that reality of it, that place of darkness. Now, that said, we think about darkness, we think about what's there. I want to tell you the best news I could possibly tell you in the midst of that reality of darkness, and that is the message that he's going to give us this morning out of verse 5 specifically, that God is light. Wow. We're going to walk around that this morning. I want you to understand this, that God himself, he's light, and here's the incredible reality that has not changed. God is the same today that he's always been. His, his power, his glory his, has not diminished at all. Now, this is just a tiny rabbit trail, so let me just go on a rabbit trail. I'll start it, come back, and let you, if you want to go down the rabbit trail further. Uh, but one of the interesting things about the opening concept that I've just tossed out to you, this idea of darkness and light and the contrast, one of the interesting things is that darkness is not actually an element. It isn't actually something that, that, you know, falls upon it. In one sense, the clearest definition of darkness is the absence of light. In other words, again, you can't, you can't create darkness. You don't, you don't go over to the department store in town and say, hey, can I get a, you know, a flash dark, you know, so that I shine it on something and it's dark. It's like, no, it doesn't work. You can get a flashlight, you know, and, and that can work. But darkness, there's no way to project darkness The only way to have darkness is to obscure the light. And so as we think about darkness in our world and all that's encroaching in many ways, it's the places where God is being ignored and pushed away and and, and pressed out of places. And it's no surprise that it's dark. But here's the thing I want you to come back to. You can go down that rabbit trail further later if you want. But here's where I want to come back and just tell you, here's the reality. God is light. I mean, he is, and that has not changed, and he's not diminished, and that reality is being held before us in an incredibly powerful way. In fact, why don't you notice it with me? Let's just read the beginning of it. We'll just notice there in verse 5 where he tells it to us this way. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declare to you that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. God is light, and in Him there's no darkness at all. Yeah, that reality is the reality we want to walk around and just try to comprehend what He's telling us. As He tells us this about God and tells us what we need to know here, note the authority that He gives us to give us this message. There in verse 5, He began it by saying it this way, this is the message which we've heard from Him and declare to you. One of the incredible realities that we just need to understand right now is this understanding of who God is, this idea of God being light. It's not the opinion of man. It's the revelation of God. That as John writes this, he says, you know, this isn't my opinion. It isn't like I sat down there and thought, you know, I just can't tell you what I think. He says, we've heard this from him. And when John uses the we here in this this verse, it has the idea of him and the apostles, those who are bringing to us the Bible and passing this down to us. He says, I want to tell you something. But it isn't something that we just kind of figured out on our own. It isn't just, you know, our opinion about just who God is. He has revealed it to us. This is what we have heard from him, and we get to declare it to you. But it is who he is, what God is revealing to us. And that makes this 100% solid. 
truth that cannot be in any way just changed and incredibly held to us, and all by itself, that is helpful. You and I live in a really weird world right now. I mean, I'm sure maybe I don't have to tell you that. I'm sure you understand. Darkness is so much there. But in the midst of that darkness, we live in this weird place where truth itself seems so often debated and questioned. I mean, you guys know it, not to just, you know, pull it back up to you so that you're thinking about these kinds of things even this morning, but we live in this day where, you know, things like COVID-19 or vaccines, you know, are constantly the topic that people talk about, but here's the weird thing. You know, each side, all sides, have their own experts and tell us, hey, this is what it is. And, 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 and you find yourself, I don't know if you find yourself, maybe I should be clear, I find myself thinking, what a hard world. Like, I mean, sometimes you just want, I just want the truth. Like, somebody just tell me the truth. Like, I mean, I mean, quit. I mean, no more opinions. No more just, you know, hearsay. No more, you know, this is what we think. I mean, you just long for something that, like, hey, this isn't, you know, changeable. This isn't just what one person's perspective. I mean, this is solid. And this morning, that's what God is giving us. When he's telling us that he is truth, it isn't something that is open for debate. I mean, you can be wrong. But there is no changing this. This is who he is. He is light. And it is his declaration that he longs for us to understand. That he tells us again, this is the message. Which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. Light. This image, this picture, you probably understand it. In some ways it can almost be just comprehended or felt as much as it is defined, but it's worth trying to define it. When we say light, we think about things like perfection or holiness or goodness, that light is this understanding of beauty and perfection. And when it says God is light, it's this way of telling us God's perfect. He's holy, that he's good, that who he is is this, and, and this idea of perfection and beauty and holiness is held out before us. You know, think about it. We sang it just a few moments ago, just, you know, holy, holy, holy. And, and that description of God is found throughout scriptures. In fact, I love the one that's in Isaiah 6 when Isaiah's there and he's getting this glimpse into God's presence and the angels are there declaring and the angels cry to one another and say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. It's in his essence, the angels are declaring us, this is who he is. This is his essence. This is, I mean, his preeminent characteristic, if you want to think about it this way. He is holy. He is holy. He is absolutely good, absolutely pure. Paul would say it this way when he writes to Timothy in 1 Timothy 6. He says, of God, that he alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. This is our God. He is the one that dwells in this unapproachable light. I mean, so incredibly glorious, so just unable for us even to fully comprehend, but perfectly beautiful in this sense. In that sense, his holiness, his goodness, 100% held before us. Now, as we think about that, it's worth noting that we think about light, we think about holiness, we think about goodness, and God's telling us that, but it's not just what he does. It is who he is. That's what it tells us. Notice it again just in the text. This is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you that God is light. Pause there. God is light. 
not just that God does light. He doesn't just work light or provide light. He's not just the source of it. He's not just the creator of it. He in himself, in the essence of who he is, in the, in the reality of his character, he is altogether light. I mean, that is what he is. Think about it. In John's gospel, he says it this way in chapter 1, in him, like this is who he is, was life, and the life was the light of men. Like this is who he is. The very essence of life is found in him, and that's our light. Our light is him, he who he is. In fact, in our passage, if you were again reading in John's gospel in our Bible reading, you read this yesterday when Jesus makes the declaration. And he spoke to them again saying, I am the light of the world. One of the seven I am statements found in John that just declare Jesus as an essential character in nature. And he says, I am, I'm light. I, I'm, I'm the light of the world, not a light. I mean, there's none else out there. There is only this, and this is that light. He is that for us. It's his nature. It is who he is. It's what he is. Now, if that wasn't good enough, and honestly, it is. It just, it'd be incredible just to let that roll over us, but he ties in one other thought that just pushes us over the top in this reality. Notice how he says it. Verse 5 again. This is the message which we've heard from him, and declare to you that God is light, and in Him there is no darkness at all. In Him there is no darkness at all. That when we think about light, perfection, beauty, holiness, that God is, He says this is who He is, and there's not anything that isn't that in Him. There's not any darkness, there's not any lack of holiness. There's not anything that's there. Think about it when Hannah is dedicating uh, Samuel to the Lord or really just kind of celebrating the announcement of his birth. It gives us in 1 Samuel this, and she's praying, and she says, no one is holy like the Lord. For there's none beside you, there's not, nor is there any rock like our God. She says, there's nobody else that is this. Nothing else is this. There's no one holy like him because he alone is this. In fact, James would give it to us this way. Says every good and perfect gift is from above and comes down from, notice, the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow of turning. It's not like there's any spot in him where it's like, okay, it's a little less light over here. There's no shadows, there's no darkness, there's nothing in the midst of that, there's nothing in that place. This is who God is. This is what he's telling you and I in powerful ways. This is what we absolutely need to hear. Let's walk around that just for a moment. I don't know. Maybe that just is exactly what you need to hear. Maybe just saying that to you this morning and helping us see this again, you're already having it kind of wash over you. Having said that, just to be honest, I mean, sometimes we, we might miss how essential this is and, and, and sometimes how much we struggle with this. See, here's the deal. You live in a world that is dark and getting darker. In fact, this world is so permeated by brokenness that sin has so broken this world that what Hannah prayed is true. There's nobody else holy. There's nothing else that is. Not just nobody, there's nothing. There's not anybody you know on planet Earth who is holy. Nobody. Every single person on planet earth is broken. We're sinners and, 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 and a messed up. And our sin has actually broken the world. 
So it tells us in Romans that the sin of mankind is actually just fractured everything in the world. So everything else you know is broken. Now, part of the problem with that, because that's all that we know everywhere else, at times it's almost hard for us to get close to the holiness of God. And at times we can begin to take just our perceptive of everything else and begin to put that on God. I think about it when God rebukes the children of Israel in Psalm 50, he gives it to us this way. He says, you thought that I was altogether like you. One of the dangers, again, is that place where we can begin to look at life and because all we know is brokenness, because everybody we know is broken, one of the things that can almost happen without us even recognizing it is happening is we begin to almost assume that God is broken as well. That we begin to think, well, you know, God's probably having a bad day. You know, God's probably, you know, he's probably, there's something in there not working. And somehow we begin to take our experience and our understanding and begin to assume maybe God is like us after all. But he's not. He's holy. He's, he's, he's light. He's, he's perfection. Now, the problem is not just our own experience. The problem is not our own world. But on top of that, we have an enemy who actually has made this part of his target. So in Genesis, the beginning of Satan's temptation is given us in Genesis 3. It says, now the serpent, which is a term for the devil. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. He's like more deceptive, more devious, more just in, in the way that he'd do it. And in his deception, he comes and he begins to speak to Eve. And the serpent said to the woman, you will not surely die contradicting what God had said. God said if they'd take the fruit at the center of the garden, they'd die. And he says, no, that's not true. You're not going to die. For God knows in the day that you eat of it, you will, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. Oh, God's wrong. He's, you know, you just can't just trust everything he's saying. I mean, it's wrong in that. In fact, you could be kind of the purveyor of your own truth. Like you can begin to understand right and wrong, like right and wrong can be decided by you. And now you're going to be in the midst of that. That is part of Satan's lie. It's part of a lie that so deceives us, moves us away from everything that's there. And it's one of those realities that we have to face. So question for you, how are you doing with that? I mean, how are you doing with this? Because here's what I know. There's nobody in this room. There's not anybody in this room that has not struggled with this. And just FYI, I, I believe that. In case you think you're the only one, you are not. Um, happens in different ways, where at times we struggle, partly because of our weakness, partly because we don't have the you know, perception that God has, and we wrestle with something in life, and one of the go-to principles is that we find ourselves tempted to begin to question, what if God isn't really good? What if he's not really holy? Maybe it's for you. you just, you're, you're gazing at life, and you're thinking through eternity, and you're thinking through the, the central reality of Christ, that Jesus came, so that everybody who believes in Jesus has eternal life. And those who don't, they're going to go to hell. And for some people, they struggle with that. It's like, wait, you know, how could a good God? I mean, if God is good, how can this happen? How does, how does, how, how does hell and this eternal damnation kind of you know, work into God being good? Sometimes people happen when they just read the Bible. They read through some of the Old Testament, maybe some of the judgments that God brought upon different nations, and they're like, wait, wait, wait. <laughs> I thought God was good. I thought God was light. How does this work? Sometimes it's more in our life. Maybe it's not just you know, reading or trying to comprehend. It's something that's happening in us, and maybe something bad happens. 
And, and, and maybe it's cancer, or maybe it's, you know, a job loss, or maybe it's something that goes in, and people are like, wait, wait, I, how, do, how does this work? I thought God was good. How, how can God be good and this happen? Or maybe it's, you know, a lack of something good, where you're praying for something to happen, and you've believed it to happen, and God doesn't seem to be hearing your prayers. And when that happens, there becomes this moment. Hey, those are just a few, but there are dozens more where somehow you find yourself not understanding what God is doing, not seeing things from the big perspective, not, I mean, in our weakness, whatever it is, but in that moment, you have been, you will be tempted to begin to wonder, what if he's not? What if he's not good? What if there's some failure in God? What if he has bad days and I just happen to be his bad day, you know? What if, I mean, what if, and and, and those moments, they can be terrifying and they can be undoing and they can be hard. And I just want to make sure that you understand to see that. And I'm just going to ask you, so what do you do when you get to that moment? How are you handling those spaces? You know, Satan's lie is that you could become the purveyor of truth. Like somehow you could comprehend right and wrong, and you are the the master of the whole thing. And it's just not true. One of the best things that I can commend to you is in those moments to grab hold of this truth again and just to do so firmly. Just to when you're in that moment where your questions are happening and you don't understand what God's doing, just pause and just recognize God's goodness. I, I do this, by the way. I, I just do. So it'll happen sometimes. Maybe I'm praying through stuff or something in life. And sometimes those questions just, and, and I'll just pause and many times say it out loud. God, you're good. I just wanted to say right now, I know you're good. I know you're light and there's no darkness in you. God, I know you're holy. I don't understand this right now. I don't understand this, but you know what? This is what I do understand. You're good. God, you are holy. God, you are, you are with, you're the, you're light and there's no darkness in you. And sometimes just, just stating that, just recognizing that reality washes over me in an incredible way. I still find myself sometimes having questions I don't know. I still don't know why. I still don't, I still don't have a good comprehension of everything. But you know what? I, I, I'm, I'm anchored to something that doesn't change. And it's could. And I, I'm, I'm in, inviting you to this, to be in this place where you would recognize this is not an opinion. This is true. God is God. He is perfect. He is holy. He is light. And there's no darkness in him. And you can't comprehend that because you don't know anything else like that. There is nothing else in your world that isn't tainted by sin. But don't let what you know from this broken world affect how you see God. Be one who recognizes that he is good and he is light. In fact, I I invite you to do it in those spaces where you find yourself wrestling and you find yourself asking those questions. But I would even encourage it more, that it would be a constant process in your life. You know, we've held out so many times, so I just touch it briefly, that Jesus gave us an incredible prayer, sometimes called the Lord's Prayer. Uh, that he gave us when the disciples asked how to pray, and he gave them this thing, the Lord's Prayer, and he says, in this manner, therefore pray. So we've tried to give it to you guys. So if you pick up one of our Bible reading bookmarks, you know, on the first side of it is the daily reading that we're reading together as a church, and we encourage that. But on the back side, we just put the Lord's Prayer, and we held it out and continue to hold it out to you as an example, not as something that you would pray word for word in some kind of just repetitious way, 
but that you would take the Lord's Prayer and allow it subject by subject to guide you through your prayers. If you would do that, I honestly believe you would find yourself covering an entire gamut of what prayer should be on a consistent basis. Now, I do that. So again, I'm not encouraging you to do anything that I'm not doing. I do it every single day. So here's how it works. Just for the first couple, I'd begin there, and I get to the Our Father who art in heaven, and I'll just spend time talking about my relationship with him, knowing him as my heavenly father, thinking about what both brought me into that in Christ, just longing to know him and love him. And so I begin my prayer life praying for me, praying for you. Oh God, help us to know him. Help us to find our delight in, in who he is and knowing him, the centrality of it, loving God with all our heart, mind, soul, and strength. So I get to that part and then I move to the second part of, of that prayer where he says, hallowed be your name. And it's this place where we come in and say, God, I just wanted to recognize right now, you're a holy God. I just, holy, holy, holy. In you is light, and there's no darkness at all. Now, again, I think it's meant to be a, part, a consistent part of our prayer. I do it every single day, and I find it incredibly helpful. Just to, to, to daily, just pause and say, God, you are. You are good. You are holy. You are mighty. You are perfect. And that reality rolls over our life in an incredible way. It gives us something solid in the midst of a, of a crazy world that we know this, that it told us there in John, that in him is life. And that life is the light of men. He would be that for us, just to know him as that, to find him in that space. And I just want to tell you, this reality held out to us is so incredibly life-giving. So incredibly powerful for you and I to believe and to know, hey, this is God. God is light. God is good. God is, is perfect, and there's nothing in him that is not that way. There's nothing in him that is not perfect. It is so much what we need to know. It's so much what we need to understand. Well, with that, he now adds another thought. Let's go back and read it. We'll just start in verse 5 for context, and then we'll notice verse 6. He says, this is the message which we've heard from him and declare to you that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So now we begin to think about how this understanding of God's light affects us. He says, okay, first of all, we want to talk about people who are walking in darkness. It's as if that's who we are. If we're someone who is walking and living a life that is contradictory to what we just learned about God, that he is light. If we walk in that. Well, let's just give a couple definitions. Let's make sure we are understanding it here. The idea of walking, it's a description that's used all the way through the Bible, and it describes something that's consistent. It's ongoing. It's something that you do as a, as a practice. Sometimes it's held out to be a good thing where the Bible would tell us, hey, walk in love, walk in wisdom, that we are to be a people that the way that we do it is, is to walk, to walk in the Spirit, to, to walk worthy. So sometimes it, this can be a positive thing, but here it's holding out to say, okay, but if you're walking in darkness, if this is that consistent pattern, if it's something that's unchanging, ongoing, and that's what we want to talk about. Now, we'll say this more, through this morning. We'll talk about it more next week, but let me try to say it right now. We're not talking about stumbling. We're not talking about struggling with sin, because hear me as clear as I can. Every one of us does. 
there's not anybody in this room. There's not anybody in this room that is not struggling with sin because the Bible's really clear about that. We, we, we face that. And if you're going to hear something I'm about to say as if somehow this is you because you struggle with sin, untrue. <laughs> untrue, that's not what we're talking about. We're not talking about stumbling, struggling, falling. More on that in a moment. We're talking about someone who's living a lifestyle, unchanging, unrepentant, unturning from that lifestyle. It's a walk in darkness. So hold that as a definition and go back and see what he says. Verse 6, if we say that we have fellowship with him, like we're good, like us and God are really, really good. If we say we have fellowship in him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. If we say, hey, I'm living in this place of rebellion, yet we still say we, we have this fellowship with God who is by his nature light, he just tells us that's a lie. <laughs> that's a lie. It's a lie that maybe you're lying to yourself, certainly you're lying to others, but it is not true. Okay, wow. Just think this through with me for a moment, because this is really, really important. And again, it's so important you get this, because you live in a world that is attacking this relentlessly right now. If someone says, hey, you know, God and I are great, yet they're living in a rebellious, unrepentant lifestyle, he says, that's not true. I mean, Jesus said it. So again, there in that passage in John 8, he, he spoke to them again, said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. So this is who I am. I'm light. So if somebody's following me, if somebody chooses to follow me, he says, they're not, they can't, they're not going to live in darkness. They're going to they're begin walking in the light of life because that's who I am. That's who I am. That's how this works. But there's a lie that so often happens. James would say it this way. He said, be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourself. James warns us there are some people that hear this but don't actually put any of it into practice and then they just lie to themselves. They deceive themselves. Lying to yourself is a scary thing because to believe your own lie becomes toxic in so many ways. And yet he's inviting us to say it and say, okay, this is real. Like right now, just to, to, to look at that and say, that's true. Like that's the way this lands. Again, you probably understand where I'm going to go with this, but let me try. You're living in a world right now that wants to tell you this is not true. You're living in a world right now where sin's so prominent, but is in many ways becoming so accepted. So we have, you know, people that can say, hey, here, children can choose their own, you know, identity, their own gender, their own, own stuff from, from an early age. You have people that can choose lifestyles that are unbiblical lifestyles. And, and then what they're telling you is, what right do you have to judge that? You know, you have no right to tell them that's wrong. I mean, that, you know, that's their truth kind of thing. And, and you have people living those lifestyles, living in open rebellion, and they'll tell you, hey, God and I are thick. Like, we're good. Like, I'm, I'm good with God. God and I are doing great. You know, don't, you know, I don't know where you are, but I'm fine, even though I'm living in darkness. And what he's telling us right now is that cannot be true. Something's broken there. If God is light... If this is who he is, and we say we're walking with him, it would be impossible for those two to go together. It cannot happen. And this is so incredibly good. I mean, I just want to tell you it's so good because it's so just helpful. I mean, some of you just need to hear this because you've wrestled with it. I mean, you're like, man, you know, I, I know what the world's saying, and 
am I wrong? You know, it's like, I look at that and think, I can't think that'd be right. And then, but, you know, and then they'll kind of, well, you're judgmental. It's like, am I? I don't know. Maybe I am. I, I mean, you, you find yourself confused. And yet I'm telling you one of the incredible things here is it's just so clear. If someone's walking in darkness, living this consistent, ongoing life, they, and they say they have fellowship with God, it cannot be true. Now, it would be either that that person who's living in darkness, either they're unsaved or they're backslidden. Either they're unsaved or they're backslidden. Now, I think about what Paul would say. He'd give it to us this way in 1 Corinthians. He says, you know, do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Don't let anybody lie to you. I mean, it just couldn't be more clear. He says, if someone's going to be walking in darkness and they're going to live their life, oh, you know, don't think they're going to inherit heaven. Don't buy into the lie. And he gives us some examples. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I mean, it just could not be more clear. He says, okay, here's this place. If someone's going to be living in this lifestyle, we're not talking about stumbling, we're not talking about struggling, we're talking about an unrepentant lifestyle, unchanging. He says, if that's where they are, no. Like, that's, that cannot be. That cannot be what they're doing. That, well, that's not the way this whole thing works. Now, please understand, there's incredible hope. God rescues exactly such people. I mean, the very next verse says it this way. And such were some of you, but you were washed, but you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of our Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Hear me clearly. God fixes brokenness. God fixes broken people. There's not any part of this that is meant to be condemnation that says, hey, you're, you're locked out. Like, you can't have this. You can have this, but you've got to be rescued. To walk in the light is to step into the light and be changed, to, to be one that would be a part of that. And he can do that in your life if that's where you are and draw you to him. But please hear me. You can't stay in those spaces and be in fellowship with him. So people who are walking in darkness, either they're unsaved, and some of them are, and sometimes they're backslidden, or maybe they're in that place where God's growing, but that's a weird space for us because the, that whole space finds ourselves kind of confused about where they are. One of my favorite passages that speak about this is in 2 Timothy where Paul simply says, nevertheless, the solid foundation of God stands, having this seal. The Lord knows those who are his. And let everyone who names the name of Christ depart from iniquity. He says, this is the seal of God. Two things you need to understand. Number one, God is not confused. God is not up there in heaven going, I'm just trying to figure it out if they're really saved. You know, I just, you know, I, 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 sometimes I get confused who's actually mine and who's not uh, because of the dumb things they're doing. Um, no, he knows. I mean, he, he just looks at, I know, I know who are mine. I, 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 I know those who are mine. But here's the thing, if you're his, depart from iniquity, stop sinning, stop doing it, because that's the only way we'll know, and that's the only way you'll know. Hey, that'll be more later, we'll talk more about that in 1 John, he'll definitely come back to that, that assurance is found in that walking, not, not, not in some kind of just you know, saying, hey, I prayed a prayer or anything, it's found in that walk with him, but and it's enough just to say, okay, it's got to be one of those things. If somebody's walking in darkness, either they're unsaved or they're backslidden, but this we do know, it's not good. It's not good, it can't be. It, it, it just, I mean, if God by his nature 
is light, it's impossible for someone to say, I have fellowship with God. I have fellowship with God. God and I are doing great. I'm doing great. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm, I'm, I'm sleeping with my girlfriend, but we're doing great. Yeah, we're doing great. Yeah, I, I, I'm doing drugs. I, I'm, I'm a drunk, but God and I are cool. He, he like likes, he's like, no, that can't, no, not going to work. It can't be that there's, there's something, you know, something's amiss there. And so somehow either you've been lied to or you're lying to us or you're lying to yourself, but it can't be because this is not the way this works. It, it can't be because God, by his essential character and nature, is a holy God. He's a righteous God. He's a good God, and it changes things. So it's impossible for someone to, to not have that be a part of it. If someone says they have it, they don't. Again, just helpful. Just It's really, really helpful. And again, just in, in a world where there's so many opinions and there's so much just deception, again, I'm just going to give it to you. Somebody just, like, just wash over you for a moment because you're like, it's good to know that. I mean, I kind of I knew that, but sometimes, I mean, you almost begin to buy into the lie of the world, and you're like, well, maybe I am. What if I am judgmental? What if I am, you know, being unfair? I mean, who, who am I to judge anybody else? It's like, well, I'm not anybody to judge anybody else, but this is. God is, and he's able to tell me, hey, this is the way it works. This is the way it works. God is light. God is light. And, and, and if we're walking with him, it changes us. If we walk in darkness, we're lying. So God is light. He is that. He is that place. And someone who's living in darkness cannot be in fellowship with him. But now we want to turn and talk about those who are actually walking in the light. So let's go back and read it just in context, starting again in verse 5. He says, this is the message which we have heard from him and declared to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. Oh, wow. Okay, let's think about what this is. What does this look like? Well, we're talking about those who walk in the light. Let's give the same definition. A walk, it's not speaking of perfection because there's not a single perfect person in this room, but it is talking about consistency. It is talking about an ongoing thing that, that, you know, that this is the life that you're trying to live and walking in that place, and that's possible for us. Not to be perfect, but to walk. He says, if you're walking in the light, if you're walking with God and you're trying to walk in fellowship with him, he says, here's what happens. He says, if we walk in the light, verse 7, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. Pause there and just catch that. If we're walking with God and we're walking in the light, what that does for us is it brings us into fellowship, both with God and with God's people. Now, we spent a whole Sunday on this, and so it wasn't last week because we had the special kind of message in the midst of it, but if you were here the, the week before, we talked about fellowship, and it was kind of a beginning message that's going to talk about it over and over in 1 John, but one of the realities we held to you, and I hold out to you again, is that fellowship, this place of having connection, this vertical fellowship, loving God, and this horizontal fellowship, loving people, or specifically God's people, they are connected. They're connected, intricately connected. They're not two different things. They are two parts of the same thing. If you have one, you have the other. 
If one is at work in your life, then the other is as well. You cannot have one without the other. John is going to say this over and over to us. But what we talked about two weeks ago was that that source of having fellowship with God is Jesus, that he came to bring us into a relationship with God. And the source of fellowship with people is fellowship with God. And it's one of the most fundamental realities that you just got to begin understanding and believing in. That we understand that the way we have connection with God's people actually is being close with God. That if we're close with Him, immediately, automatically, we have fellowship with Him. I mean, did you catch it? Just go back to our verse here. Notice how he says it in verse 7. If we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship. Not, that, not, that we, not just that we can have fellowship, not just that it's open door, not just that it's an opportunity. We have it because we're walking with God, so much so that if we're distant from God's people, then we ought to look to the source, which is our relationship with God, which is our relationship with God. Hugely significant, much is in the midst of that, and so he's telling us the same thing here, that if we're walking with God, if we have this relationship with God, not only are we walking in the light, it brings us into fellowship, which he says is fullness of joy. Hey, why don't you go back and just read it with me. Go back a couple verses. Verse 3 says it this way, that which we have seen and heard, we declare to you that you may have fellowship with us, and truly our fellowship is with the Father and with His Son, Jesus Christ, and these things we write to you, that your joy may be full. It's like, I want you guys to have this. I want you to have joy. I want you to know God. I want you to know His people, and the way that you have that is this fellowship that's connected to Him, bringing us into that. Wow. It's incredible. I mean, just it really, really is. So, total tangent for a moment, just a little FYI. You know, I think about how real this is and how it works in our life. I just want to tell you, it's the absolute best marriage advice I can give to couples here this morning. It's the absolute best marriage advice that I could possibly give to any couple who's longing to have the marriage that God has for them. That when you think about how this works, and you think about having a husband and wife, and how do we, how do we become closer? How does that work? And I'll simply tell it to you. It's not original with me. Definitely you know, has existed for a long time before this, but some have called it like a divine triangle. That if you will press after a relationship with God, you know what begins to happen? You become closer. You become closer, not just necessarily because you're pursuing that, but because you're closer to Him. And the more you know Him, the more you walk in the light as He is in the light, it, is, it just does incredible things. And again, I say it to you in the most practical way. It works. I mean, it really works so that that relationship with God both changes everything and, and brings us into relationship in so many levels, but even in marriage, absolute best piece of advice I could give you. Well, again, marriage is part of it, but so much more church, relationship, everything that's in there, it flows out of this. Okay, so if we have this walk in the light, we have fellowship, but then notice what else he says. Verse 7, if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. Okay, we need to understand this. We need to get this. So the blood of Christ, I mean, that Jesus died on the cross, it becomes that that washes away our sin. Guys, so incredibly true. I mean, it's the only thing. We sang it in song this morning, right? What can wash away my sin? Nothing. 
nothing but the blood of Jesus, that God sent his son to die on the cross, it's the only thing that fixes the brokenness in our world. It's the only thing that deals with sin. It's the only thing that can bring us into a right relationship with God, and it's the only thing that can practically work into our days to bring us into the space that God has for us. That's what it does. So the blood cleanses us from all sin. The blood of Christ works the sin as it causes us to, to walk in that, but that helps us understand this a little bit better. See, he's not here talking about perfection on our part. In fact, it's exactly the opposite in some ways. He's talking about us being exposed by the light of God and then being cleansed. So think this through with me again. Here's the deal. You just need to know this. You're not the only one. We talked about it a few weeks ago when we started the message of 1 John and, and just talked about one of the big lies that permeates our world, that people just get into their heads somehow that church is a nice place for nice people. You know, that's where good people go. Good people go to church because that's where they just kind of go and they show off their goodness because every, you know, and then you can come in here and the, the one thing you know about yourself is I'm not good. I mean, I'm trying to be good, but I'm not good. And so sometimes you can feel like you don't fit, like this isn't who you are, this isn't the way it works, but I want to tell you it's not true. I want to tell you church isn't a place for good people. It's a place for bad people. It's a place for broken people. And what happens in church, what happens with God, is that we step towards this relationship with God. And the light of who He is, it exposes us. It causes us to see our brokenness. It causes us to see who we are. But in that space of being exposed by the light of the gospel, by the light of who God is, that's where we meet Jesus. And that's where his blood washes away our sin. Where That's where we find forgiveness so that this walking with God, walking in the light is a place not of us showing off how good we are, but having him continually work this thing in us as we press into his presence. You know, Jesus talks about it. His commentary on it is probably better than anything I could say, so let me just give it to you. There in John 3, he talks about how this works in this manner. He says, this is the condemnation, that light has come into the world, and men love darkness rather than the light because their deeds were evil. He says, here's what brings condemnation. Here's what brings all this confusion. Light has come. Who's light? Jesus is the light. I'm the light of the world, he says. I've come into the world, but the world is not accepting. People aren't embracing. They weren't accepting Jesus then. They still don't now. Why? Why? Because their deeds are evil. Because sin is present in that, that, that darkness inside us keeps us from him. And he goes on to say, for everybody practicing evil, or First John would say, everybody who's walking in the darkness, everybody who's practicing evil hates the light doesn't come to the light lest his deeds would be exposed. He says, here's the way it works for somebody who's living in this unrepentant lifestyle, unchanging. They, they don't want to come into the light because the light shows them who they are. The light exposes that, so they would far rather step back into the shadows and say, oh, you know, I don't, I don't want to be known. I don't want to be there. And the weird thing about stepping back into the shadows is it makes you feel better about yourself. Because like the light isn't shining, you're not exposed. He says, so here's what's happening for these people living in darkness. They constantly are pulling back into the shadows, constantly pulling back into the place because they're, 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 they're practicing evil and they don't want that to happen. But he who does truth, does the truth, comes to the light that his deeds may be clearly seen, that they have been done in God. 
Wow. Okay, there's a bunch of realities behind this. Let me quickly unpack a little bit for you. So he says, if we're going to walk in the light, here's what's going to happen. We're going to come into the light. We're going to step into the light. And that's going to expose us. That's going to expose our brokenness. And here's the reality. You are more broken than you know. I just want you to know that. And some of you are like, no, Jim, I know. Like, I, it's like, no, you don't. <laughs> no, you don't. I mean, we, I mean the, 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 the deceptions of our own heart are so bad in so many ways. The Bible's really clear about it that, that everything about us, that, that we are sinners by nature and choice, and it permeates our whole life, the struggle that we have. But the more we step into the light, what begins to happen is not only do we see that, not only do we see our brokenness and are cleansed by the blood of Christ, then there begins to be the only way to do good, which is what? He says that our deeds have been done in God, or to say it in another way. Jesus would say it in John 15. Without me, you can do nothing. Try it on your own, and it will always be bad. You will mess up everything, because who you are by your nature, you cannot do it. You will always mess it up. You, if you do it on your own, I mean, if it flows out of your source, it will be broken, it will be tainted. The only way that you can ever have that which exists in the light is to be what he does. So that everything that remains is like, God did that and he did that and he did that. This is really, really good. Like this is all him. And in that beautiful place of light, it draws us into that space that that's where we live. That place where we find ourselves there where we find ourselves in this place where that's happening. Oh, I, I'm just longing for this to make more sense than, I, than, I, than, I'm, than I'm saying it. God, just help me to communicate this clearly because I need you to understand. I need you to understand you struggle with this. This isn't something, again, that's just on some theological chalkboard for some theologian to figure out. This is what your life looks like. And you're doing one of two things. You're either stepping back into the shadows as, as you try to figure out who God and you're hiding and you're pretending and, and just you're, you're living in the dark place, not coming to him and, and just maybe even feeling okay about it or you're stepping into the light. Now, if you're stepping into the light, the really hard thing about that is it's super exposing because I already tried to tell you, you are more broken than you know. Sin is, you, you, are, you are a sinner by nature and choice so that everything you do is tainted, everything. So that you would kind of get to the end where Paul writes about it in Romans 7. He says, a wretched man that I am. Like, why? What am I supposed to do? How does this, I mean, I am so broken. But the really amazing thing is that's a really good place to be, to step into the light and to be exposed because that's where you're forgiven because that's where the blood of Christ cleanses you, because that's where it's like, okay, God, this is who I am. I need your washing. I need your washing. I need your renewing, this day-by-day strengthening. Like, I need that. I need you to do that in me. I need you to, to be a part of it, and it becomes this beautiful place that is both being exposed but being fixed, and then he begins to do good, but let's just be honest. As I can probably, I'm trying to make it as clear as I can. Stepping into the light is uncomfortable, Stepping into the light is uncomfortable. It's not one of those places like, oh, this is so much fun. I step into the light and I just get to show off how good I am. 
No, I step into the light, and it's like, man, I am so strong. I mean, pride, jealousy, envy, anger, they tend to permeate everything I do, and God, why? And God, I don't want it to be this way, and stepping into the light is uncomfortable. I, I liked it. I was talking to somebody after the first service. They said, you know, it really is true that really living the Christian life out well is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. It's like, okay, just getting, just, okay, just, you got to get comfortable with this place of being exposed, having God, the light of Christ shine upon you, because that's where the transformation happens. That's where the work happens, but that's what we need, because this is who he is. And so I love the way this verse is laying it out to us, because he's telling us, again, if we're walking in the light as he is in the light, that brings us into fellowship. And again, you almost would be reading it if you were reading it in a fleshly way, and you get to show off how good you are. That's not what it says. It says, if you walk in the light, as he is in the light, you have this fellowship, and you know what happens? The blood of Christ is cleansing you and washing you. And, and we'll talk more about that practically next week as we continue that how, how-to section on that, but it's just this incredible place. Let me put it to you another way. So the light of the gospel, the light of God, the light of who he is, not only does it expose, it actually changes us. It actually transforms us. Hey, silly illustration, but think it through with me. Most of you guys are going to remember maybe even your early science days, you know, sitting there, you know, in the early, you know, elementary years, and you began to learn about this crazy thing called photosynthesis, this idea that the sunlight happens, and, and it pours out its rays on these leaves, and, and plants take the light, and they transform that energy into life. It becomes oxygen taking the things that they have, and, and the light itself becomes this part where life is flowing out of the light coming in. Hey, just quickly take that simple illustration and take it through with me for a moment. That's true naturally, but there's a spiritual photosynthesis. There's a spiritual photosynthesis as we step into the light, as we live in the light of who God is. As we step into the light, not only does it expose, it changes it transforms us so that life begins to happen. Good begins to flow out of that. But it's not us, it's him. And it does this in an incredible way. I love the way it gives it to us in Corinthians. It says, so but we all with this unveiled face are beholding as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as by the spirit of the Lord. He says, here's how this works. If you're a follower of Jesus, we all have this access now into God's presence, and we get this access into knowing Jesus. We get to behold his glory. We get to see he's a holy God, an amazing God, and a good God. We step into that, we behold him, but in that beholding, he's changing us. That the light of who he is is changing us from the inside out. We're being changed. We're being transformed because that's what light does. That's why he can say this so firmly. If you say you have fellowship with God and you're not being changed, something's wrong because the light works. God's light changes lives. God changes people. He works this. There's no other way not to have that. There's no other way that that wouldn't be a part of that because that's what he does. And guys, that's what he wants you to be a part of. That's what he wants you to be a part of. He wants this place where you would be walking in his light, you'd have this fellowship with God, and it would expose you, and you would find out, I need forgiveness again, I need washing again, not that I need to get saved again, but just this constant washing that tells us in Ephesians 5, like Jesus is constantly washing us with the water of the word, and we just need this space. It's a good space to be. It's a good space to be. It's the right space to be, and I'm inviting you into it because you're just not the only one that needs it. See, I know that for some, just here, the, the things that he's laying out to us, 
they're right, but sometimes we just thought, well, I, I thought maybe I, I thought I was the only one kind of doing this. I thought other people were just, you know, they just seem to be like doing good all the time. And, you know, they, they, I feel like I, I, I come to church or I start getting close to God. And the moment I do that, the closer I get to God, instead of feeling good, I feel bad. It's like, God, I'm, I, look at me. Look, I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm struggling. And, and this doesn't feel like what it, I thought it would feel like. I thought this was supposed to be you know, happy hearts or something, you know, and, but here I am, I'm, I'm stepping to you, and I'm finding I'm broken, but that's what he's telling us, and that's where we get the blood of Christ to cleanse us, and that's where he changes us, that's where he transforms us, it's a really, really good thing, because that's who he is, and that's exactly what we need, that's exactly what we need. Guys, I just want to hold this to you this morning and tell you these are solid things, these are unshakable realities that God is holding out to us, and he's so longing that your life and my life would be permeated with them. So I tell you what, let's close there. You can close your Bibles, your notebooks. But I want you just to think about this for a moment, because just in a moment, I'm going to give you an opportunity to pray about it. But in some senses, I'd like you to try to find out where you are. That's a, maybe an odd way to say it, but you've done it, right? I mean, probably going to date my, myself in this, because I don't know if they do it the same way anymore, but back in the old days, you know, you, you go to like a mall, and they'd have one of those maps of the mall, and you're trying to figure out where you are, and they'd have like one of these triangles, like, you are here. I think they use apps and everything else for it now, but hey, it still kind of works. I just want you to find yourself. Like, where are you on this? I mean, God is light. That is who He is. That is who He is. Are you walking in darkness? Are you walking in darkness? And maybe you're telling everybody, oh, God and I are fine. I'm good. I'm good. It's not true. It's just not true. I don't know what's happening there. Maybe you're not, you don't know him. Maybe you're here this morning and, and God is exposing your brokenness to draw you to life. We want to tell you he saves. He fixes people. He can fix you. We just invert, invite you to give your life to him and surrender. We invite you into that space that would be there. Maybe you're his. And for some reason, you've just been walking in disobedience. You know, you're not just struggling. You're not just stumbling you are walking in it. It's not a good place. Just, just allow that to say, that's not where I should be. I need to be the second one. I need to find myself in this place of walking in the light, but I need to know what that's going to look like. I don't want it to surprise you or surprise me. If we walk in the light, it'll expose us because he's good, you're not. He's perfect and you're not. If you walk in light, you'll, you'll come to know him and know his people, but at the same moment, it'll expose you, but that's where the blood of Christ works. And that's where the blood of Christ cleanses. That's where the place is where you, where you find hope in that place of what he would do for you, and that's how it's supposed to work. And, and for some of you, that's where you are. The, like, you're doing that, but the weird thing is that you, you kind of thought maybe you were like, you know, the stepchild, you know, like, okay, well, yeah, this kind of what, I mean, everybody else is doing fine. I mean, I'm the one that has to take the long way in or something, you know, I mean, I'm just this one that the only one that, I mean, other people, they don't have to go through the processes that I'm going through. I don't know why I'm the only one that's struggling so much. You are not. No, this is how it works. The light shines. We get exposed and he cleanses and that's how it's supposed to happen. There is no other way. He doesn't change. He doesn't change. And yet that's a good space for us to be. So let's take a moment and just pray. And wherever you are in that, I just want you to talk to God. Again, if you're walking in the darkness, it's a day to leave the darkness, whether it's to get saved or come back to him. And we pray for that. But if you're walking in the light, I just want you to recognize that you're just not the only one. And I almost want you just to embrace it. I want you to embrace it and just come and just tell God, I know you're good. I know you're right. And I need your help. 
need your forgiveness, need your washing, whatever that is, you talk to him about that. I'll do the same thing, and then we'll close together in worship in just a moment. But this is a quiet moment for you to pray, so do that now. God, you are light, and I am so glad that you are. It is good for me to recognize that and come before you and just say it. God, I know you're good. I know that in you there's no darkness at all. You're a holy, perfect, pure, right God. And in a broken world, that is so life-giving to know. Thank you. Thank you that it's so. God, right now, for any that are claiming that they know you and yet living in darkness, rescue them from it because it cannot be true. cannot be true that they would be walking with you and be in that space, rescue. But then for those who know you, cause it to be that we'd recognize that this really is the process, this place of stepping into the light and having the light shine upon us that both exposes us and there in the light, you provide the blood of Christ to cleanse us. And that light begins to change us, transform us, so that good can come out of our lives. But even that good could only come from you. For without you, we can do nothing. Got to believe it and just let the light shine in that and want to draw into the life that you have for us. Lord, cause us to be those who walk in the light that Jesus, you said, you're the light of the world. And if anybody follows you, we would walk in the light. God, help us to be those who are doing that, Jesus, who are following you. Rescue, cleanse, even at this moment. Cause those to know that this morning and to step into what you have for them. We ask for that right now as we surrender to you all. We do that together in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. May God meet you in that. May it be a place where you're encouraged, where you're built up, where he would cause you to know the incredible reality of who he is. And that would just wash over. If you need to talk to somebody about this or pray with somebody, hey, we're here. We'd love to just talk to you after that. But right now, we're just going to invite you to worship with us. So why don't you stand? And we're going to close in a final worship song, just recognizing that God is this to us, celebrating it. But right now, I just want to bless you in his name. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.